0: Welcome to Grow Your Dental Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Mohamed Ismail. I'm a cloud accounting expert and a business advisor to dental and medical professionals. My firm, Shift Accounting, has helped our clients reach their financial goals. We are absolutely passionate about the dental industry, so we created the Grow Your Dental Practice Podcast, to provide you with valuable resources and help you grow your dental practice. I interview experts in the industry extract all the wonderful knowledge they have, and give it to you, our wonderful listeners. Hi, Samantha. How are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm great, Muhammad. How are you?
0: Good. Thank you for coming back to this show again. We really like you here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel honored to be back again. Thank you.
0: That's awesome. So briefly, if people don't know you, can you quickly introduce yourself?
1: Definitely. So I am the co-founder of Stream Dental HR. I have a 15-year background experience in dentistry, working every role from dental assisting to administration to operational manager of a group orthodontic practice. And that kind of inspired me to start this company because I really realized that there was a void in our industry when it came to human resources. So Dr. Dar, who's actually my business partner and That's who I worked with for many, many years as his operational manager. Decided that it was time to finally introduce something like this to help our fellow uh, dental professionals out navigating the landscape of human resources. So, in that way, they can build a stronger culture, they can have policies in place, and really just build a thriving and profitable business.
0: Fantastic. Samantha you know a- a- hr is such a hot topic in the dental industry mm-hmm. as you know people can't find the right staff or they have the right staff and then the people leave or people are not well trained right. there is so many things in hr that people absolutely need your help and i want to you know there's so many things i want to talk talk about, but let's start with the hiring process. Okay. Okay. And I hear that all the time. Suddenly, you know, my my best assistant or hygienist quit and now it's a panic. Mm -hmm. We need somebody yesterday. You know? Why does this happen? And the reason why I'm asking this question is because I, you know, and, and again, this is my my own belief is there's a lot of work that has to happen in the back end. So this situation, it will happen. People will leave, right? But when they leave, it doesn't
1: become a disaster. Right. Yes. And I think you you said it nicely is that I feel that most practices right now, we're, we're busy working in it and on it. And when things are working great, we don't ever think about, you know, this situation happening or our team member leaving. So we usually just wait until there's a vacancy. And that's when we start jumping into the hiring process. But by that point, like you said, it's a mad scramble. It's chaos. We need to find somebody yesterday and somebody who can come in. I don't need to give them any training. They're going to be that office unicorn who knows how to do everything plus more and are going to be that perfect fit. And, you know, it it takes a lot of work to be able to, A, figure out who your ideal candidate would be, what is really necessary in the position, how am I going to attract this person and find the right fit? somebody who's going to be in alignment with our mission, our vision, our philosophies, and really fit with the rest of the dynamic of our team as well, and who have the experience level that we require. So there's so many pieces of the puzzle that we need to have made before there is even an opening in our practice. So we need to be prepared with that game plan before that situation happens.
0: So Samantha I I love what I'm hearing and in my mind I'm I'm just recalling conversations that I that I hear I was like mm-hmm. well you know what I'm a you know a single you know practitioner in the clinic I'm not you know Apple that I'm hiring an executive right. assistant here I just need somebody to come in and work <laughs> right mm-hmm. ha- walk me through the steps of you know with with a crunch of time crunch of resources how is somebody can, can go and, and figure out all these pieces. Simplify them for me.
1: Right. So I would really say it kind of falls down to three steps. And I really recommend to do this, you know, I'm very much about being proactive rather than being reactive. So doing this now, even before you have a vacancy in your office. So the first step is really to do a SWOT analysis on your business. So I know a lot of people think about a SWOT analysis only having to do that when you're doing a marketing strategy, a business plan, that because you're submit, submitting a proposal to the bank. But this is really figuring out our roadmap of where I need to take the business and what do I need to focus on right now to help us get there. So when okay, we're so so
0: just just for for the listeners, a SWOT yeah. analysis is
1: identifying your business's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So really, when you kind of map that out and you look at your strengths and you identify your opportunities, then you're able to put a game plan together so that you can help maximize those, which then in turn is going to minimize your weaknesses and your threats. So that, long story short, is basically figuring out what do I need to actively be doing in my business to help me get to to my goals? And then once you reverse engineer that, that's going to be able to help you figure out who that key player is to be able to give the have the necessary qualifications, experience level, who's going to help us maximize our opportunities and our strengths and then gonna minimize our weaknesses and our threats. So let me give you an example, because I know that's all it's nice in, in theory, but how do we actually apply this in our business?
0: I love examples, by the way.
1: <laughs> so let's say, for example, an office has identified that their strength is, you know, they, they've got a, an amazing reputation where they are getting consistent referrals, internal referrals from their patients. So let's say, for example, they're getting 40 new patients a month, which is phenomenal just from an internal referrals alone. But out of those 40 new patients, 20 of them are walking out the back door. So we have a very large attrition rate, which we then identify it's because we actually don't have a dedicated treatment coordinator who's focused on ensuring that those new patients are going ahead with treatment, or if they don't go ahead with treatment, then we need them to be following up. So once we identify who that ideal candidate and the the necessary skills that they need to be able to help you reach that goal of converting 75, 80% of those new patients Then you're able to figure out, okay, this is the right person I need. So then it's much easier as you're starting to screen candidates, as you're starting to hunt for them, you have that ideal candidate in the back of your mind, and you've also created strategic interview questions to make sure you are finding the right person who not only talks the talk, but can walk the walk.
0: So, so are you, are you suggesting, for example, identify, you know, the job descriptions for each position that you have? Okay. Mm-hmm. And are you suggesting to kind of build a pipeline of people that when, when a position comes open to kind of reach out or what, what are you suggesting here?
1: You know, after you've done the SWOT, you figured out who you need, definitely taking a look. If you don't have job descriptions in place, definitely start putting that together now. I love job descriptions. I actually have my own specific webinar and trainings for talking about job descriptions for over an hour. They are crucial, crucial components in our business, not only just for hiring, but for so much more. But having those job descriptions really outlines the necessary roles, responsibilities. And if you have also key performing indicators it, within your job descriptions, that's going to let you identify, okay, what is the, you know, based off of a person who has experience in treatment coordinating, what's their average conversion rate look like? What kind of cases are they presenting? Because if my practice is dealing with a lot of cosmetic work, full mouth reconstruction, sometimes those case presentations are upwards of 15, 20, $30,000. But if this treatment coordinator only has experience presenting treatment that's two thousand dollars, that's a whole different ballgame, right? It it now between two and twenty thousand dollars, you're you have to present treatment differently. You have to you know have empathy, figure out a, a flexible payment plan or options so that the patient can say yes to that type of treatment. So, you know, long story short here, basically when you have those job descriptions, that's really figuring out roles, responsibilities, KPIs, that is I'm going to be measuring and monitoring this person's performance to make sure that they are actually getting us towards our goal towards where we mapped out in our SWOT analysis, and then using that to create your interview questions, using that to help you when it comes to narrowing down the right person, using that when you're onboarding your team members so that they understand what's expected of them and how you are going to help train them so that they feel confident in performing all of those roles and responsibilities. That's the second part.
0: So so let me just kind of recap here. So number one, you know, start with, you know, a macro view of your office, looking at, you know, uh, the office as a whole, you know, and doing a SWOT analysis. And then, you know, taking this a step further to identify, you know, the current roles that you have, okay, and writing the job descriptions and the type of people or skills that you're looking for, right? And then what, what would be the third step?
1: Then the third step is, you know, that's when you develop your interview process. So creating specific interview questions for your phone screening. So in that way, that's a great opportunity for you to be able to find out, hey, what's this person's communication like? If they're going to be taking care of, Let's say, for example, this is a treatment coordinator. I want to make sure that you know if I ask them to describe a specific treatment to me or role play a specific case presentation, they can explain it at a level that I am expecting and the way that I am currently presenting that to our patients so that we're making sure that we're finding somebody who's the right fit. Then face-to-face interview questions, skills assessment questions. Um, so really building all of that strategies out. And being really strategic and not asking those typical yes or no questions, leading questions. You know, sometimes I see practices who basically give the answer of who they're looking for and what they're looking for in the questions. So basically, <laughs> of course, they're saying everything that you want them to say, and then later on, you find out they're they're not right. They're not the right person for your practice.
0: So this is good, you know. Come up with you know listic list of questions mm-hmm. that would would be, you know, fit for for your practice. So how do I find then the right person? How do I go about it?
1: Yeah, so then after that, that gives you a great, Overview that gives you a great, you know, employee avatar of what I'm searching for. So then the next step is really having a great strategy for when it comes to recruitment, you know, putting a strategic and a well put together job ad. Because believe it or not, Muhammad, I see a ton of job ads that are just one sentence long that says, I'm looking for a dental assistant who can work Monday to Friday, eight to five, must know dentrix and speak English.
0: and and have pulse
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly and if you're looking for an amazing person do you think that that job ad is attractive enough for that well-skilled qualified person to apply for because there's a lot of opportunities out there you know I, i think practices forget that they're they're not the only dentist on the block anymore they're not the only dentist hiring anymore these a players they have a lot of options. So why should they apply and work for your practice? So really using that opportunity to capture them, to show, hey, we're much more than just drilling, billing, and filling here. We have opportunities for growth. This is what our vision and our culture, this is what patients are saying about us. Like using that opportunity to really showcase what your unique selling proposition is for your business. So in that way, you're attracting quality candidates for your practice.
0: That's awesome. So let's say now, you know, we kind of went through the, you know, the, the this process, and you know, we're, we're we're doing the interview. Anything, you know, in in terms of validation of work experience or any other validation, any any recommendations in that area?
1: So, in terms of like the type of interview questions to ask, yeah. Yeah. So I, I love this question. I feel that with the different types of interview questions, we can learn a lot about a candidate. So I usually break these down into three different categories. So one of the ones that we want to look for are, you know, verification questions is really kind of getting a, an idea to ensure that what they have listed on their resume is actually the truth. So I always start off by, you know, kind of getting a good understanding of what their previous roles and responsibilities were in their last position. So this is when they're going to walk through and talk about their different experience, the things that they've learned. And I want to make sure that it actually coincides with their resume because believe it or not, sometimes they put those resumes out quickly or copy and paste it from somebody else. And then by the time they finish answering that question, it's completely different than what they have listed on their resume. So that's a good red flag right then and there, asking situations questions. So putting them in a specific situation and seeing how they would handle that. So along the lines of the treatment coordinator, you know, position that we've been talking about throughout this podcast is I would ask them, you know, walk me through one of the most expensive treatment plans that you've presented and how did you get that patient to go ahead? Right. So if I'm looking to hire somebody who's had experience presenting twenty thousand plus dollar treatments, and if they're telling me that the most expensive one that they've done is two thousand, then that might not be the type of person that I need. Or maybe this person, I I need to give them a lot of training to get them up to that level. And can my business afford that? Do I have the capacity to do that? And then, you know, the same thing, putting them in behavioral questions. So, you know, walk me through how do you stay organized? how what's your follow up process look like so in that way i'm seeing what is this person doing to ensure that they're actually able to stay organized follow up with these cases and making sure that you know they're able to perform all of those roles and responsibilities
0: that's awesome so now let's kind of transition gears and let's say now we we hired someone you know what? You know a lot of a lot of the environments because people are so busy, it's almost like a you know sink or swim environment. Yeah, you know, come come in on board, and then and then within a week or so, oh man, like we just made the wrong hire. It's the wrong personality, it's the wrong skill set, and you know I get it. I mean, there, there's a lot of that, but sometimes I feel that you know people are not giving the new hire, you know, the right tools to succeed first right definitely what what is an ideal onboarding and training should look like
1: awesome question and my favorite question <laughs> so <laughs> i recommend four pieces to this so first and foremost having an employee handbook is the best opportunity to start your team member off on the right foot which is really going through hey this is this is a little bit about us this is why we do the things that we do here's our expectations and here's the accountability process So in that way, that is, you know, that's, that's taken care of right from their first day. Then we have them review their job descriptions, which again, gives them more details of expectations, but it's also showing them, you know what, these are all the things that we expect you to do here, but here's how I'm going to train you in the first couple of weeks. So in that way, you feel confident and you feel like you can be successful in all of these job duties. But with these KPIs, we're going to monitor this as well to ensure that, you know, you're performing, you're growing at this level that's necessary for this position. And then providing them some training resources, whether that's having videos, having a mentor, you know, just putting together some SOPs. So in that way, they have some support and resources that they can fall back to if they have any questions, if they needed that additional support, instead of throwing them into the deep end and expecting them to turn into an Olympic swimmer by day two, and 90% of the time, that doesn't happen. So really having those resources in place are going to ensure that that person is being trained at a level that they're performing consistently and up to your standard of approval as opposed to having one person just train their bad habits and now this person has those bad habits compounded, right?
0: So Samantha, how how do you implement this? Like, you know, I mean, I know people are busy. Mm-hmm. So do you recommend, you know, this person comes a day earlier and they schedule like an hour where, you know, maybe even outside the office? What, what, what's the ideal you know, set up for training? Because, I mean, you need that person to be, you know, sitting or, you know, it it can be on the fly, right? right?
1: Agreed, agreed. Definitely some structure and uh, support needs to be outlined right from the get-go and have in place within that office. So let's say, for example, the employee orientation Definitely takes a couple of hours. So either you can have that team member come a day before, maybe come on a non-doctor day when you aren't going to be interrupted constantly between patients, really sitting down with them, reviewing company expectations and protocols, and then reviewing your uh, training schedule with them. So in that way, they can expect, they know what to expect in the coming weeks, what your goals are, what you're hoping to accomplish in those few weeks together so that they feel confident knowing that, hey, I'm going to do my best here, but I know they're going to help me along the journey as well. So if that's possible, to be able to split that up so then we can do the orientation first and then hit the ground running the next day.
0: You know, you know Samantha, the 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 key thing that's sticking in, in, in my mind at this point is it's planning, planning, mm-hmm. planning, and planning. Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes and yes.
0: <laughs> right? You know, because... To kind of deal with that scenario where, you know, someone left and now, you know, people, you know, are are, are panicked, mm-hmm. you know, you can, obviously we can't, you know, stop people from leaving, but you can mitigate it by a lot of planning and more planning and, and making sure that we have a really good plan that we planned.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well said, well right? said, yes, agreed, yeah. agreed.
0: So, Okay, so now, so now we have that person onboarded and, and is in the team because we did a lot of planning. So that's really, you know, fantastic. So talk to me about, you know, how do we keep people motivated? How do we measure that? Mm-hmm. And how do we, you know, take corrective action right, as well?
1: right. So the communication is key. And I feel like sometimes during that 90-day probationary period is is when we're doing a lot of coaching, we're doing a lot of support and training, but then after that 90 days is done, that's usually when that is also finished as well. So we need to remember that our team, just like our business, it's dynamic. So we need to constantly be communicating with our team, getting them involved in the thought process, in the decision-making That's going to empower them to feel like they are stakeholders of this company and will go above and beyond to do whatever is necessary to build the business with you. And that's what we all want, right? We don't just want somebody to come in and be robots and perform the, the job because. That's only going to get us so far. But if we want to continue building our empire, expanding to a second location, you know, bringing on an associate one day, then we need to have our team members understand where we're going so they can be a part of that process and we can all be working together. So, you know, regular communication. So whether that's morning huddles, whether that's weekly meetings, whether that's monthly team meetings and making sure during those team meetings, we have a said agenda. And a time where people can actually review that agenda before the meeting, so that they feel like they have the time to add value. They can prepare questions. They can prepare some ideas, so that they're bringing it to the table as opposed to, oh, great, here's a team meeting, and now they're going to ask me a question out of the blue, and you know, no wonder nobody answers, <laughs> you know, or provides any feedback because they haven't really had that time to feel like they can be a part of it, right? So getting them involved in that, doing regular goal settings sessions with your team members as well. So in that way, we all know, again, where, where are we going? Are we on track? Are there benchmarks that we have in place KPIs that we have set? So in that way, we all know, hey, we're on track or looks like we've detoured. Let's figure out a strategy on how we can do a U-turn here and get us back on course together. So that's where I feel the biggest disconnect is, is communication, it's collaboration, and it's the engagement aspect of why people feel, you know, disengaged at work. They're not performing at a level where you know, they want to be and you want them to be, they don't feel rewarded or find meaning in their position, which is then going to cause them to look elsewhere for that right opportunity for them.
0: You, you know, one, one more thing I want to add is one of the issues that people, you know, start with the right intentions. Yeah, we are going to have, you know, a monthly meeting or quarterly reviews or whatever it is. And then you, they do it a few times, mm-hmm. then they forget, or, for example, the goals they discuss, they forget to write it down right. or forget to revisit it, just because they don't have, you know, proper systems mm-hmm. to solve this. So in my opinion, it's, it's a very simple, you know, issue to be, you know, to have systems that would help people become more disciplined. Right. 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 So, what are your thoughts about, you know, computerized HR systems? versus google sheets for example or or just writing things down in a piece of paper
1: <laughs> well i feel that i mean there's so many different softwares out there so many different methods that we can use to help us stay organized and also serve as a collaboration tool. So of course, I'm going to say I I love HR softwares because we have an HR software. (laughs) And, you know, it's just a great way to automate things, right? And if we start to notice that, hey, my office manager is spending so many hours just on HR administrative paperwork, or a good example is, let's say for you, you have a new employee handbook. You have 25 employees, you print off the handbook 25 times, you gave it to 25 employees, and then now your office manager is nagging them to be able to get all of those documents signed back to them by a certain time. Why not be able to put that on a software that you can easily, with a few clicks of a button, send that to their employees, they can read it, they can electronically sign off on it, and now it gets saved to the employee file. And now your office manager has five hours back, that she can focus on bringing in production for the practice or working on marketing strategies. So if there's a way to be able to streamline your operations by using software, I 100% think that we should be taking that initiative, you know, first putting the systems in place, and then being able to plug it into a software that can really just automate it for us.
0: I I love it. I mean, you know, personally, and even, even in my business, I use software for everything. If there is a software solution for it that automates, you know, a task for me, I'm on it because honestly, like, you know, we are bombarded with a lot of information, a lot of due dates, a lot of deadlines. And, you know, HR, in my opinion, is such an important piece where, you know, if I, if I tell my staff, you know, we are going to schedule, you know, a three-month review, well, it needs to be in the calendar and it needs to, you know, we need to circle back to whatever, you know, previous meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to review these goals, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a way, I honestly, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here. If, if, if you have even a piece of paper, but you can organize mm-hmm. it and make sure you can recall that piece of paper three months later, mm-hmm. you know, good on you. Yeah. As long as you have it documented and, you know, accessible, and it's communicated, it's shared, why not? But you need to be organized. You need to be organized.
1: Agreed. And another thing to remember, like you said, if we told our team member that we were going to meet with them again in three months, they're going to remember that. But if we don't have reminders for ourselves and forget the three months, then that could seriously disengage our employee because now we've forgotten about this important discussion that we said that we were going to have and check in with them. So in that way, that's going to disengage them and go, okay, well, if they don't care, then, then why should I care? Right? So it's really important to them. So making sure that we, we've got a lot on our plate as business owners, as, you know, as practitioners. So if there's a way to be able to make those reminders and notifications easier, then I definitely say it should be done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, final thought that I want to kind of discuss here with you is talk to me, talk to me about incentives, right? You know, some offices, you know, believe in, in a bonus structure You know, some other people don't, and and we can argue both Mm -hmm. ways. To be honest with you, you know, give me your opinion about both.
1: So I, I'm like yourself. I've seen them work really, really well in a practice, and I've seen them not work very well and have a big explosion at the end of it. So I would definitely say, first and foremost. If you have an incentive in place, of course, my HR hat goes on and says, you need to have that documented. You need to have a guidelines on there as well. A lot of things that practices forget about is, let's say, for example, this is a quarterly performance based off of production. And let's say that employee leads halfway through, you know, they're going to want their portion of that money. So how did you have that written out in your protocol? Does it get voided all of a sudden because they've left? Do they need to be there so many hours? If What if they're working part-time versus full-time? So there's all those things that we need to have in place because when an employee is really excited about an incentive like this and they're working really, really, really hard for it and then all of a sudden at the end they t- they can't have it, that next quarter, believe you me, they are not going to be putting any extra effort towards that incentive. So we need to find a way to be able to have those guidelines, create that engagement. So in that way, we're we're not burning them out. We're not, you know, feeling, they don't feel like we're dangling that, that carrot above them and they're jumping and jumping and they still, you're, you're pulling it higher and higher and they can never reach it. And then that basically, it's not going to work for you. It's going to work against you
0: right right i, I you know a hundred percent agree with you number one, the incentives have to be the right incentives, yeah. right you know you don't want to have the wrong incentive, and then the behavior would be the wrong behavior yeah. right, and number two, you know you need to need, it needs to be clear, right. I like this example of somebody you know quits before the bonus payout, which usually doesn't really happen that often, mm-hmm. but <laughs> right you, you, you know, yeah. but uh that's that that's absolutely. You know, uh, I agree with you. Any any trends that you're seeing in in 2020 in terms of incentives?
1: You know, we, we're seeing practices who are doing incentives. You know, based off of kind of like a profit sharing program, so they can they're either spreading it out quarterly or six months or over a year, and if they reach that goal, then everybody gets to split the percentage. Which I think is is fantastic, and and you know, along with what you mentioned, I really feel like this is first. You need to figure out what works for your practice. What are we working towards, and then let's figure out those goals and those metrics. Is this going to be production, or are we focusing more so on? you know, building up our social media channel? Are we looking at getting more Invisalign starts? So it's figuring out what are what's our ultimate goal and seeing how can we create some incentives or motivation or engagement for our team so that they can be working towards this and get a reward for their hard work. But along the lines that you mentioned earlier is, you know, you've got to find that, that right incentive, what's going to be motivating your team, because sometimes money doesn't motivate people. So maybe it might be, hey, let's work towards going to to the CE course in Hawaii. If you know, maybe that's something that,
0: I love that a little I'm bit more-, more. I'm all I'm all for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, put it out to your team and and see. Maybe some people aren't inclined towards money. Figure out what their love language is. Are they looking more towards maybe more time off? Maybe you know different different ways. But definitely taking a look at hey. What kind of, where do I want to take my business? What does that look like? And how do I create in goals and incentives that are going to motivate my team properly?
0: That's awesome. Samantha, as always, uh, I, I, I love our conversations. There's a lot of value here. If someone wants to reach out to you for any HR advice or want to you know, check out your software, How can they reach you?
1: Definitely. So they can uh, reach out to, well, they can check out our website, streamdentalhr.com, or else they can reach out to me directly at Samantha at streamdentalhr.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. Love this conversation. Thank
1: you. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully I can be back for round three.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For for more updates in 2021. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Grow Your Dental Practice podcast. I would like to thank our corporate partner, Zero, a beautiful accounting software. If you'd like to know more information or just want to say hi, visit our website, Shift Accounting, that is shiftacc.com or you can reach me directly at mohammed, M-O-H-A-M-E-D, at shiftacct.com.